Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, everybody, wherever you are, whenever you are watching this video or listening to this podcast. This is England is Burning. It is May the 19th, 2021. It is a Wednesday. As you know, we usually don't do shows on Wednesdays, uh, but, you know, circumstances, life steps in, you know, dog gets sick, you know, car breaks down, you know, work gets crazy and stuff. So we end up doing shows on different days. But uh, we, this is your Chelsea weekly show. We have have Rob Pratley back from the CFCW Social to talk about the Champions League final, uh, his reactions, his take on the trip to Sweden and going against Barcelona. And as you probably well know, if you're watching this, uh, 4-0 loss in the final, which really didn't do Chelsea any justice whatsoever, that particular scoreline. But we're going to talk to Rob about that. Rob, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon or actually this evening, actually, where you are. Yeah, thank you for having me. And again, again, I, I wish it was a more peppy sort of circumstance, but unfortunately, you know, you have to take your medicine at times. Chelsea fans have had a lot of things to be happy about mm-hmm. this year. So, you know, it, was, it sort of felt like one of those times where on the night you just sort of knew for a minute one that mm-hmm. it wasn't going to be their night. And, you know, after that, you just have to sort of take your medicine. Yeah, I- yeah, I mean, and that's the nature of football, is it not? I, I think mm-hmm. the nature of football is is that you're going to have your your nights or days where where it's going to everything is going to come together and everything's going to click and and things are going to work out. You're going to have your days where things are going to go exactly as planned uh, or exactly as predicted, uh, and then you're going to have days where you you just get bulldozed, uh, or you have days where you run into a buzzsaw, or, or days mm-hmm. that don't that you end up with a scoreline that doesn't really reflect actually the game itself or the the teams that were involved um i'm not sure where necessarily the champions league final falls into that for chelsea but uh, and let's jump right into it you talked about the first minute and mm-hmm. it, it just i don't know what what did you think of that first minute and how things started and 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 how Barcelona approached it and how, how Chelsea approached the first uh, couple of minutes of the open of that match. I think it didn't. I think it, it helped Barcelona immensely. that They had the experience and the occasion and they'd, you know, been there and done it before and also done it before with fans. Because mm-hmm. when they did it last time, you had a full sort of crowd and you've got the atmosphere and you've got, you know, all of that around you. And players feed off of that. And I think the other day it was a little bit, you know, more... Sterile's the wrong word, but it was obviously, you know, a big occasion. And I think in some ways, some of the younger players at Chelsea did get a bit overawed by it. Um, and we always knew Barcelona family were going to start quickly. They, you know, they like Chelsea, like starting on the front foot. You have that initial effort from, you know, Caroline Graham Hansen that comes back off the crossbar. And as soon as you sort of, you know, for a Chelsea side that aren't used to being off the back foot early, then suddenly that's a real sort of, you know, um, just something that really shock you. And obviously sort of the ball then bounces and yeah, you have one of those free cone goals, sort of Frank Kirby hits it and hits it against Melanie Lurpoles and 999 times out of a thousand that deflects onto the top of the crossbar or into the keeper's hands or goes out for a goal kick or a throw in or whatever. And it just looped up. And as soon as it hit it, I was like, Oh no, because it had a similar shape on it. Irony to the irony of the Lurpoles goal against Bayern Munich. That as soon as it hit them, you just knew where it was going and it was only ever going into the top sort of corner. And it's sort of it's a bit it's a twofold you know a double edged sword because a gives Barcelona a real real boost to score a goal at, but b you also as a Chelsea player you start to get the feeling you know it's their night it's their night and it's not your night because of the nature of the goal um, yeah. 
I mean, Chelsea should have, I thought, gone up the other end immediately and equalised with Jess Carter's ball through that Harder sort of brought down. Um, did the keeper get a touch on it? Was it just a poor miss? I'm still not quite sure the more I've watched it. I think probably it's a very good save by Panyos, but you'd expect Harder to put it away. And then a few minutes later, she has another big chance and suddenly you're thinking, you know, Chelsea are well in this. And For the opening 10 minutes, it was a very frantic sort of nervy game. And then, I'm sorry, it was one of the worst decisions I've seen all year. Um, Jenny Hermoso going down in the box. If anything, I thought she'd fouled uh, Melly Lurpols with the nature of how her foot was planted. But she goes down, the referee gave it. I will say from minute one, Barcelona had it down to a T in that every time they had a chance, they were giving... They were in the referee's ear. And whether we like seeing it or not as fans, it does affect referees. And Hamraoui especially, every time she was in constant dialogue with the referee. And, you know, it does influence them. And how, how on earth VAR looked at it, I can only assume Stevie Wonder was, you know, guest starring in the VAR room on the night. Because how on earth they didn't overturn it. And then, you know, from the spot, AKB saved a lot of penalties this season. I don't, I always say it's up to the striker to score them. It's the, if the keeper saves, it's a bonus. And Hermoso, you know, did what she needed to do. And by that point, it was sort of tired. It was game over. And that's what I think is really sad, is that the the game, for me, won't be really remembered for FC Barcelona Family's brilliance. Because I think, you know, I'm going to be honest, they were an absolutely fantastic team. They clearly have learned from their own mistakes two years ago against Lyon. And they were, you know, it felt like one of those ones where everything sort of fell for them on the night. And they took advantage of that. And if you're a top side, you do that. Um, I've seen Chelsea, you know, do that in in games this season. I've seen them do that in cup finals and cup games. It reminds me of last year's Conti Cup game where AKB played a blinder and Chelsea sort of had two real chances and took both of them through Bethany England and won the Conti Cup. Um, and on that day, Arsenal were particularly unlucky, but at the end of the day, lucky is, you know, you make your own luck in football. Um, and after that, I think, you know, 2-0, it just sort of became... Chelsea did still have chances to get back into it, but... It sort of ultimately was a bit of a lost cause. I think that's what was really sour for me, is that bad luck and, you know, some quite frankly dreadful refereeing were what decided that final, rather than brilliance of FC Barcelona family. So a lot to unpack in what you just said uh, in, in, in the series of things. And there are your series of events that, you, that, you, that you're talking about that, that are interesting to, to uh, unpack. But I want to go right back to the. I want to go back to the to the beginning, um, because it seemed like. I mean, you mentioned that you know Chelsea is not a team that is very much used to being the one on the back foot as as it kind of started out, and in Barcelona it looked like their plan uh, from the very beginning was to put as much intense pressure uh, on the back line of Chelsea as possible. Uh, and to move as quickly as possible and to put in some very intense pressure from the beginning. It seemed to me, and maybe maybe I'm wrong about this, and, and, and like, is that the whole situation that did lead to the what I call the official, unofficial own goal, because it's just the whole situation was rather unfortunate, um, yeah. because as I agree, 99 out of 100 times that ball does not go the way it does but it did but it, i i called it at the time and i called it on monday monday uh essentially was sort of an unforced error situation where they would yeah. just put so much pressure uh that you know they created almost created their own luck there yeah, by putting, putting putting in their own pressure it just ball bounced the way you know uh bounced perfectly their way uh and so forth uh is that how you saw it or or do yeah, you see it differently I, 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 will say, I will say it wasn't 
it was bad luck from Chelsea's point of view, but it wasn't lucky from Barcelona's point of view. That's the big difference, you know, because I've had a lot of people saying to me, like, you know, you've been bitter over this sort of result. And I'll be honest, I am bitter over losing a Champions League final. If you're not, you're not a football fan. But I'm not going to come out here and say that I think Chelsea deserved to win it on the night because they didn't. But I am going to say there were mitigating factors around Barcelona's margin of victory. And that I think, you know, if you looked at those stats on paper, just without any context to the game, you wouldn't have right. said it ended 4-0. Um, True. True. And, you, you know, ultimately that's one of the things. And I'm going to take nothing away from Barcelona. Again, I spoke to my good friend Mia Eriksson, who sort of was photographing the final beforehand and sort of said what would happen. And she sort of said, you know, it'll go one or two ways. Either Chelsea will score on the counter-attack or Caroline Graham Hansen will sort of run the show. And I, you know, I love Caroline Graham Hansen. I think she's a fantastic footballer. I watched her, you know, Wax lyrical about her against City. And I, I think, you know, Chelsea fans, as soon as that first goal sort of went in and they were able to sort of get a foothold in the game, when you're up against top players, they punish you. And with Chelsea needing to push players forward, obviously, they got caught for the third goal. I think, you know, a lot of players up the pitch, they had a chance themselves to um, sort of put one away. Again, I think it's harder blocked by Torrejon. And then, you know, when they break away, you've got that bit of quality. Again, a little bit of again, making their own luck in the way they got the deflection sort of falling their way. I thought it might have been a foul on Jess Carter. Again, it would have been interesting to see, you know, what VAR made of that and why it wasn't. But, you, you know, at close range, you can't really expect the keeper to save it. So, you know, and by that point, it was sort of game over and playing for pride. Um, obviously, the fourth goal sort of coming a bit later. Yeah, I'd said about Leica Martins last week, and I think she's one of the best players in world football, if not still probably the best player. Mm-hmm. Um and again, you know, just it was a good learning experience. I think Vanine Charles, a tough learning experience, but a really good one to come up against a true top quality winger um, and top quality operator in the final third. Because in the first half, she was sort of torn to pieces. In the second half, I thought she did a lot better, albeit with Barcelona, obviously, you know, taking the foot off the gas because they knew the game was won. But, you know, it was a good learning experience for the player. And you can't really fault, you know, FC Barcelona. They did what they needed to do and got the game won. And, after that, it was just sort of, it's difficult. As soon as you, you know, 4-0 down within 36 minutes, you know, the game's over. But I can't fault the effort and application of the Chelsea players on the night, nor can I fault in the haze. Um, it felt to me like, you know, when they got to the final, that felt like, you know, the big achievement this year, I'll be honest. And I think, you know, Emma said herself, we'll be disappointed if we don't reach the final. Um, I think if we, you know, on another day, that first goal doesn't happen. On another day, that penalty doesn't happen. You know, on another day, Penilla Harder puts those two chances away. But it's football and you have to accept that and you have to, you know, you take the highs and the lows as they come. And that is why I say I, I kept saying since Sunday night over and over again that that 4-0 was not really did, didn't do uh, Chelsea justice at all because that the match could have easily been exactly what I thought it would thought it was going to be, which I thought was going to be like 3-2. Others have been saying 2-1, which I think yeah. was a little bit low, but I think they were going to score more goals than that. But point being is that this match could have easily been the close, close tight knit affair that we were all predicting it would be. It just didn't come out that way. And in, in, in football, that's what happens is, is, um, and I wanted to ask you about, you know, Pernell Harder's opportunity, uh, you know, 
while still down 1-0, Chelsea obviously very, very much in the match. They're now on the front foot. They're moving forward. They're able to get close to the box. They, you know, they put that in. What were your thoughts about, you know, the chances that that Harder had uh, in the match to kind of try to even it up? Vanilla Harder appears to just be cursed when it comes to Champions League finals. Um, I think, you know, as the game went on and on, she got more and more frustrated, I think, herself and started taking on more shots because she wanted one of them just to go in. Uh, I think Chelsea will see the better of Penilla Harder next season. After she's had a year to adjust, a year to come into the system, they, you know, earlier in the season, they were playing sort of with the three at the front and sort of with an actual wide three. This season, Now they've been playing her in behind more sort of a little bit, a little bit. And I think you get more out of Harder as an all-round player doing that. But I think also there will be a time at some point Maybe next season, if Kerr, you know, needs rotating, or if they, you know, have a chance where they put harder up front, and you really see what she's all about. Um, I was disappointed to see fans criticising her um, mm-hmm. on social. I appreciate, you know, the magnitude of the game. We all say things, you know, we all get emotional about things and say things we don't necessarily mean. But I don't think it was. I don't think you can blame Penilla harder for Chelsea losing that final. I don't think you can blame it particularly on any one player. I think it ultimately has to be, you know, you win as a team, you lose as a team. And then collectively on the day, Chelsea weren't at the level. FC Barcelona were at the level. Things, you know, didn't go Chelsea's way, could have, and there was, you know, an element of misfortune. But ultimately, the best team won on the day. And you have to, you know, tip your hat off to FC Barcelona. They lost the previous one final against Leon, as we said, and clearly that stung. And I've got no doubt that, you know, that result will sting for Chelsea. And the next time they get to the final, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they did win it because I think they will, you know, the occasion won't be as much anymore. You always have that thing burning on. I remember the Chelsea men's players saying the big thing that burned them on in 2012 was the fact 2008 happened. Um, and you will, you know, you do see it a lot in in competitions. And in, in a way, in a way, I'm quite happy that FC Barcelona have won it as I think, at times, they were being really underestimated during this tournament. I think people look at their domestic record, and I'm not going to go out and say La Liga Femini is, you know, a hugely competitive league. It's not. But I think at times, people looked at Barcelona's numbers and sort of, you know, just said, oh, well, they're only doing that because, you know, they're playing as less teams. They've come up against so many teams now in the Champions League, with the exception of PSG, who I think came out with a little bit of spoiler tactics more than anything against them. Mm-hmm. The teams that have tried to play openly against them in Chelsea and City have both, you know, in that first leg against City, say for Ellie Roebuck, it could have been five, six, seven, eight, nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the second leg, by that point, even though City fans are, you know, crowing about winning it, congratulations on your trophy this season of beating FC Barcelona Femini. It meant nothing. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't like sort of sounding bitter there, but they had already won the tie in the first leg and they didn't need to worry about that second leg. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna. I'll forgive you for your bitterness because it's justly deserved. Um, you know, that's just the nature of how football is. You know, uh, but yeah, you, you have you're fully justified in being bitter about the about well, this it's, match. It's more, but... it, it's more that I. It's more that I think, like you know, if if for instance a Chelsea or City had put up those numbers domestically in WSL, we'd be hearing an awful lot more about them on the international stage, and. Although Barcelona sort of ended up Bookie's favourites for the final, and rightly so, as the result shows. Um, like, up until it happening, I don't think people paid them the respect 
they deserved. And it was, you know, in many ways, especially from an English perspective, I saw a lot of media focusing on Chelsea and forgetting the fact that FC Barcelona were there on merit as well. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that sort of, you know, I think that's the, if there's a learning curve for a lot of people in this, it's that, you know, English football, despite the rose-tinted bubble we may give it, and the fact that, you know, an English side is going to win the Champions League this year, we need to remember that in WSL, there is still perhaps a little way to go before we can regularly sort of compete at the top level. And whether it's, you know, one or two signings or just a little bit more analysis and experience or even perhaps just more teams getting through to the later stages, because I think City will be disappointed they didn't. Obviously, Arsenal didn't, you know, qualify this year. Um, and if we can sort of more consistently start doing that, you start getting, you know, the reputation of the league sort of up. So. Yeah, when I spoke with Anurban, who was a Barcelona supporter or Barcelona feminist supporter, that you know, in in the lead up to the match and then afterwards, his reaction, you know, and I I admitted to him, and I'll admit again that I I too was one of those people that underestimated Barcelona because I you know looked at their score lines, I looked at their statistics, I looked at, I even watched, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I even watched some of their league games where, um, you know, they where I should what are where I saw sloppiness and just kind of yeah. like you know, it, just it's not very being... difficult. It, it's very <laughs> difficult in watching Barcelona in the league because mm-hmm. they can afford to be sloppy and they won't be published. Now, if they have played some of those league games like they did against Chelsea, then I think you would have seen a different result. However, the benefit of that is that because they can rotate so much for the league and effectively, you know, play a completely different eleven in the league if they need, because they've got a very strong squad there and they've got good young players as well. Because they're able to do that, then, you know, they can effectively just rest a first choice eleven for big games and for the key matches and use them so sparingly, rotate in and out. And I said this, you know, to the Chelsea social members, that I think Chelsea have a very good squad for WSL but I don't necessarily think they have a very good squad for the top echelon of Europe. And there's that one or two more additions you need. I think there's another centre-back needed. And again, we Chelsea have sorted that by signing Aniak Nuven from PSV, a terrific young defender, really good ball player, chips into the goals, a very solid centre-back, and she'll be an excellent signing next season. Um, there, you know, Chelsea are going to sign Lauren James from Manchester United, despite the... Chelsea um, megastore announcing the signing last week. Um, yeah, that, that's well brilliant, as, Chelsea. By the way, that's just br- that's brilliant, Rob. As announced, let the megastore handle that. Yeah, as, as as we've also announced that we signed Benjamin Mendy. Apparently, yes, um, yes which you know makes, makes total sense. Obviously, now now it makes sense why he played so poorly against us at the Etihad a few weeks ago. Absolutely, um, yes. He was signing on a dotted line that no one knew about. Exactly. A d- double A. I, I hope he's starting in the Champions League final. I'll, I'll, you know, I, I'm sure I'm you do. I'm sure you're really looking forward to seeing him in the Champions League final. <laughs> but um, I, I think that there's that. I think, you know, there are names like Ingrid Engen. I think if Chelsea can just bring in, you know, move, it's possibly that time where they need to, you know, look at one or two of the squad players and say, you know, thank them for their service. They've been brilliant sort of players, but ultimately they need to take the next step up and you need to make tough choices when you yeah. do that um yeah i mean i i had I'm sorry to interrupt rob but no, I, right. you know it you know i i had underestimated the barcelona team i i under i underestimated how deep they actually were 
um, because and and I should have it should or should not I should have known is what I'm saying is that because I I noticed they would start one set of eleven against like Tenrife and then start a completely and totally different set eleven against Atletico and then yeah. another set of eleven against you know one of the teams they beat before getting into the round of sixteen in the Champions League I was like wait a minute there's like they rotate every single match um, and then you know but then you know I. You know, I had to eat crow when they basically smashed Manchester City to pieces because they were technically, uh, tactically, athletically, uh, and personnel-wise much more sound uh, mm-hmm. than than City was. And you're right, uh, Ellie Roebuck saved them from being completely annihilated and embarrassed. Um, and uh, and I was like, Ooh, okay. And then I started thinking they they got to be in the final. Um, the PSG, I think, played tactically, played very well. But I think, but I also saw Barcelona make some tactical shifting as well in response to PSG to, you know, see that tie out so they can move on, which is another yeah. thing that really impressed me was they were able to go switch to a total, almost totally different tactic to see it out, um, knowing that PSG was going to play it very differently. Um but yeah, that 2019 final where they got you know got walloped, um, you know by you know it, by a truly great side in Leon in in 19. Uh, when I talked with Anabon about it, he he said to me uh, the open of the when we were reacting to the final, he said that he that he kind of felt bad for Chelsea because he kind of felt like Chelsea were at where Barcelona was yeah. in 2019, where this yeah. is this stage was really new and it was big and. And then they and they ran straight smack into a buzzsaw. Um, yeah. No, and- I, I, I would I would agree with that. I, you know, I think a lot of people, the, the phrase I think the commentary used was passing on the pain. And I think that's a good mm-hmm. sort of description. I I don't doubt that Chelsea that will be uh, not be Chelsea's first Champions League final. Um, I wouldn't be you know shocked if it it might take twelve months. It might take twenty four months. It may take thirty six months. But I'm sure they'll be there again. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty confident that this next time around they will win it. Um, just because you have that extra bit of experience, you have that extra drive, that extra bit of hunger. Emma Hayes will have looked at that and will have made her own. You know, she will be as disappointed as any fan because the mm-hmm. nature, because ultimately Emma is a winner. And Emma doesn't do, you know, second place. I saw her and Frank Kirby were the first ones to take off their medals. Mm-hmm. Um, and whilst reaching the Champions League final is a great accolade, it ultimately is finishing second. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, to Emma, that's failure. Um, I, w- I will say that I saw some ludicrous calls on social media from people that clearly don't know about Chelsea women and were just watching the games the first time. I will say I appreciate people watching in and tuning in and supporting the first mm-hmm. time, but mm-hmm. there's a time to keep your mouth shut. And some of them saying that, you know, the manager's got to go, all sorts of nonsense. You don't have a clue. I'll be completely honest. You have absolutely no idea. And... Emma Hayes is 100% still the right person to take Chelsea. She is still, to me, the best manager in WSL. She is still in the top five managers in the world, probably the top three um, in women's football. And she's signing a new deal at Chelsea. And no doubt she will continue to bring the club success and will just continue to be absolutely brilliant. And I, again, I have no doubt that she will, you know, she will learn from this. She will adapt. She will make the necessary changes. She will know what she wants to do. And Chelsea will make it happen. And that's ultimately, actually, you know, that's the learning curve, really, for them. 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm probably going to say something that people are not going to like when I say this, but I'll say it anyways. But it's, there are some football fans that get really radical and they start suffering from a case of borderline personality disorder. And what borderline personality disorder kind of is tinged with is this sort of all or nothing. You are you are great or you're absolutely terrible uh, and you're either one or the other and you're never both at the same time. And that is what was what was some fans reaction uh in regards to emma hayes and other players for chelsea as well where it was like you don't you're just looking at this through you know a completely radicalized highly emotional too emotional standpoint uh and you don't understand and you don't understand what you're watching at the same time so that that's basically what happened um because i mean i heard the same kind of stuff that i heard like well emma hayes got her tactics wrong um I'm like i'm not sure i'm like no i don't think she got her tactics wrong um you know i think that for you know people point to uh you know how barcelona's wingers were able to just run straight past um you know the 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 uh, fullbacks for for chelsea um you know charles and um carter and i'm like well emma was in was in that situation in my opinion uh, she was kind of stuck in a rock and a hard place. Either play those two back, play them back, or play them forward. Either way, you're going to uh, run into you know a problem one way or the other. It was just sort of pick your poison. Either play on the front foot against Barcelona or not play on the front foot. And that involves the two fullbacks. So, um, But you're also facing in Barcelona two of the best wingers in the world at the same time. Um, and, you know, and, and as you rightly pointed out, as the game moved on, Charles and Carter did much better. (laughs) Um, you know, so ultimately, I I ultimately think when I talk about, um, so when you sort of look at it is that I think that's one of the position Chelsea can improve in. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, Neil Charles is an excellent young fullback, but I think they did really miss Mayor and Mielda. And this was the first game where I felt they really missed Mayor and Mielda for the experience of it. Mm -hmm. I think that's worth, Absolutely. Noting, I think she would have just brought that bit of sort of conserve, sort of bit of not conservatism, but that bit of you know solidity and calmness to a back line that I think needed it in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think you know Chelsea will probably go out and look at a left back in the summer. Uh, John Anderson has struggled a little bit in recent weeks with a sort of form cut, I've seen a bit more of a sort of a utility player than anything. And you know, if there's a top left back, I mean, I have my choice of a target of someone I would like to see. Chelsea bring in. I'm not going to say who it is at the moment, but the, you know, there's a player that I think actually would be perfect for the team. Um, and I think you know, it's those. It's now you look at it. There's one sort of you know little additions, and the other thing I think Chelsea needs another defensive midfielder for in games like that where they could start them and Ingle, and maybe mm. as opposed to also starting Liverpool's having Ingle and another pure defensive midfielder to stop better attacking sides and almost then playing you know with a six at the back and four just roaming forwards and roaming attackers um, because I think at times they were too easy to play against. But again, I, I want to, you know, I want to make it all clear in all of this that um, how impressed I was with Barcelona family, the movement, the speed of thought, the passing ability. And when you're, you know, I, I have no shame in saying that looking back on it, we're beaten by a better side. And ultimately, if that happens in football, you can't have any complaints. The complaints I have are about the opening 10 minutes and other than that, for the other 80 minutes, you know, there's nothing more that I think Chelsea could have done. 
I just think you've got to applaud Barcelona Femini and say, you know, it, congratulations, an excellent side. Um, in terms of their sport and behaviour after the game, um, sort of, you know, the jury's out. I don't think it was impressive to mock Sam Kerr, even if you didn't agree with a tweet from two years ago. I don't think it was impressive to, you know, go on social media and start liking tweets about, you know, pocketing Frank Kirby, when the fact that Kirby's even playing in a Champions League final after her pericarditis is an absolute miracle. Um, and I don't think it's impressive, you know, to mock Emma Hayes, who has done an awful lot for the women's game in the world of football. So, yeah, all of that. A good, great side, but not necessarily great sports people. Understood, understood. And I totally agree with that as well. Um, yeah, um, I mean, don't be sore winners. Uh, yeah. is basically I, I, what, know, what, I, what I say about that. Don't what, be sore what winners. I said was that after... I appreciate you get annoyed at tweets and I appreciate you use them to motivate you. But if that's really the first thing that's on your mind after you've won a European Cup, the biggest prize in club competition, then they're living in your head rent free. And, you know, you that's sort of you to sort out. Um, right. And, yeah, ultimately that's sort of, uh, yeah, yeah no, no more to say on the matter. I will say, you know, is one sort of final thing, I suppose, for me, is that I'm still immensely proud of what Chelsea have achieved this season. Um it's been a very tough year for all football fans. And I think, you know, their team's doing well or just even having your team there has been a bit of a crumb of comfort for everyone. Um, obviously, we're starting to see the return of fans now in the Premier League and that's wonderful. I saw today Chelsea women wanted to have fans back in Kings Meadow for yesterday, but due to local policing requirements, they can't make it happen, which is a real shame. But, you know, when fans are back, I have no doubt they will give this side the love and the adoration they deserve because ultimately they are double winners. They have broke a WSL record. They have the golden boot winner, the golden glove winner, the player of the year, the manager of the year. Um, I have no doubt that Fran Kirby will be on the Ballon d'Or list, probably in the top three. I think she will probably lose out to Hermosa or Potelas, and that's fair enough on the balance of play because they have ultimately taken the top prize. Um, they could still, you know, tomorrow they will face Everton in the FA Cup in the chance of winning a treble. They've already got a treble if you count the Community Shield. Personally, I don't. But if you do count that, then they can get a quadruple this season and you wouldn't back it again, back against them. And there's no doubt that they will continue to be strong next season. Um, Neem Charles has come on on leaps and bounds as a young player this year as well. There are other players in the squad that would be better for another year of WSL under their belt. And yeah, the future is just immensely, immensely bright. There's also players like Beaver Jones and Georgia Fox who are starting to get chances, not letting anyone down. So, you know, it's just a real exciting time to be a Chelsea fan. And to top it all off, we've got a club that's really buying into the ethos of the two sides being jointly promoted. Again, you look at the YouTube channel and the new header image, the Pride of London has both sides represented. You saw the kit launch with the sort of, you know, the players, the fact that WSL badge is now available from the mega store, um, formerly, and also the fact that our sponsors, um, in three, and I have to give them, you know, real credit for the amount that they've supported both sides, um, in the sort of first year, they've been absolutely exemplary in that regard. And I, you know, the Chelsea social have our own links to, and the Chelsea women's social have our own links to three. Um, they have been, you know, very kind in providing us with giveaways and opportunities give to our writers and to our contributors and you know i have to say thank you to them as well there is uh the i, I hope for those chelsea fans that watch the show and there are a lot of them 
I, I was I was joking with someone, Rob, the other day, or I think it was yesterday. I'm not sure. I don't remember. My mind is a bit of a blur right now. But but I was joking with someone that that the most pe- that uh, as far as we cover four teams in the WSL, uh, and by far. I get the most visitors, most listeners, the most viewers are Chelsea fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are, you know, to this program. Uh, that is a credit to, to that's, you know, really a credit to, you know, how popular and how great this program is. is. And, Apologies, and I hope you've had to listen to my voice for the last three months. <laughs> but also, but the thing of it is, you know, uh, Rob, though, the thing of it is, though, is, um, I hope y'all out there who are Chelsea fans do not let this final define what this season really is. Mm-hmm. What the season really is, is, is Rob just very well defined it for you is, um, is a, a really great squad, you know, winning the league, facing the toughest, most unprecedented level of competition that the league has seen, uh, having a great squad, great depth, great players all over the place and a massively great manager running this and a club whose ownership and administration and board have backed this team to the hilt. Mm. And as you said, a sponsor that's backing the the team and the supporters to the hilt. And I think in many ways, this final actually will define this team later. And what I mean by that is, is that – the lessons that are going to be learned by oh. the squad, by Emma Hayes, by the program, be like, okay, all right, we, we saw the bright lights. We saw the big trophy on the stand. We saw someone else lift it. Uh, what do we need to do to make sure that's not us next time? And and I think that's such a deep learning opportunity and a deep moment that I know someone like Emma Hayes and the squad are going to pick up on and like, okay, they're going to target signings, as you just mentioned, target mm-hmm. signings to like, okay, we're not just looking at, Eng- at the WSL in England and dominating it. We want to be on that stage next year or the year after, maybe both, you know? Um, so who do we need to get? What do we need to do to compete on that level? And when you have an experience like this, you learn that lesson. It's a hard lesson. It's a bitter one. Yeah. But it is a lesson. And and I I suspect the way Chelsea is run, they're going to learn that lesson very very well. And next season, you're going to see a you're going to see a better Chelsea side uh, than the one that you saw today. You know, uh, all luck aside. Um, you know, as far as on paper is concerned, it's going to be deeper, it's going to be stronger and more experienced. Um, and so there, there are very bright days ahead, I believe, for, for Chelsea. So, um, but it begins, and in a sense, it begins tomorrow. It begins with this FA Cup match because they win this FA Cup match coming up with Everton, uh, a, a decent team, a, a difficult team who I'm sure want to go, want to advance just as much as Chelsea does. And they want to get back. They were in the final. Um, you know, last fall. Um, but this begins the March. T- this actually tomorrow begins next season because this cup carries over. And yeah. so they win this and they carry it over into the, into the next season. So uh, the next season begins tomorrow, really uh, in a sense um, for Chelsea moving forward. Any, uh, any additional thoughts about Everton and how that game is going to go in closing? 
Not really. Um, obviously disappointed the fans won't be back, but I think you know you'll see a reaction from the players. They will be hurting, as we sort of said. I think mm-hmm. the best way for me to finish out is that I remember Chelsea losing another final, four nil, um, and coming out of that and thinking that that wasn't you know the end. That was only the beginning. And since then, we've won every domestic major trophy. We've won the most WSLs of any team. We've finally conquered the Conti Cup. We've finally beaten. I think the big thing for me this season is Chelsea have also finally got over the hurdle and the monkey off the back of beating Wolfsburg. Because I think to beat one of the real European giants that have been, you know, been there, done that, and have, you know, multiple times ended Chelsea's dreams and do it in the style they did. I think most fans will, if you ask them the memorable thing from the European journey, it'll be that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Rob, so much for joining us uh, today. And uh, programming note, we're going to be beginning the series of basically wrapping up the season. We're going to hand out player of the year for each of the four teams that we cover, you know, newcomer of the year for the for the uh, four teams and other, you know, ascendary awards and, and so forth to kind of wrap up the season, the high points, the low points. Uh, and so forth for the season to begin the preparation for the summer. Uh, and so that's going to be coming up in the, ne- in the next week. Uh, so, Rob, thank you for joining us. Pleasure as always. And I look forward to talking with you again, uh, you know, in the next week or so uh, to talk about the superlatives and things like that of this past season, uh, which we kind of already started a little bit today. Uh, but that's cool. Mm. Yeah, no, and uh, thank you very much again. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening to my voice over the last few months. I hope you've enjoyed the highs and lows. Yeah, that's what that's what football is all about. Football is all about the highs and lows. That's mm-hmm. what it is, um, and so forth. And and uh, you know, and and for those of you who do not want to watch my receding hairline continue to recede, you can li- just listen to us. Uh, and, and so forth. Um, you just listen to us on all the podcast platforms, even ones I've never heard of before. Uh, we're on that. So if you don't want to, you know, you, my hairline has continued to make the uh, the retreat like France out of Russia in 1812. Um, and you may not want to see that. So you can listen to us. Thank you, though, for watching. Smash a like. Please subscribe. Please share with your friends. This show is has never been so popular as it is right now. Uh, our you know listenership, our viewership has skyrocketed uh, in the last three weeks. Uh, that's thanks to y'all. That's thanks to you sharing. Thank you so much for watching and listening. In closing, remember the light is out there. Remember that it is there. Please acknowledge it. Let it be a part of your life. Also, knowledge that the darkness is unfortunately out there as well. Do not let it touch you. Do not even let it come close to you if you can help it. But if it does, please take care of yourself. Get what you need. Take care of each other. Take care of you. And England is burning is going to close out the next show we're going to have. I mean, I'm not even sure when we're going to take a little bit of a break for a few days and we'll figure it out. But I think we're going to be wrapping some stuff up starting next week. I think Man City is up next. Uh, But I'll be talking to you when that time comes. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we are out.